two weeks of vacation. I always had a saying, uh, because most everywhere that I've worked, it, it was work that uh, depended on me, so uh, I, if, it, if I didn't do it, it didn't get done. And, and so I used to say that I used to have to do two weeks worth of work the week before I left, and then two weeks worth of work the week I get back. This is the first time I've ever taken two weeks off at the same time. And now I think it's a month of work before you leave and then a month of work before you get back. We had a great time. Thank you guys for allowing us to, uh, to go off to Alaska for vacation. Wonderful, beautiful. Um, I, I noticed one thing there was that I only had to breathe like once every three or four minutes. And so I looked at the elevation. It was 15. <laughs> 15. Yeah, we're waiting for like 100 or something like that, right? 15. So we had a great time, but we were ready to get back to work. Uh, we, we hit the ground running as, as we, we got back in. So are you guys ready to get back to work? Some of you are going, no, I'm ready for my vacation. <laughs> well, we are starting off, and as Kurt said, uh, this, this week actually starts off school. School starts tomorrow. I can say that. There aren't any kids in here. Well, some of them are, but they always cry. It doesn't start for you tomorrow. You've got a couple more days. Uh, but they always cry when I say stuff like that. Um, and, and so we're just going to jump right into it. We've been in this series uh, entitled Blueprint, God's Design for the Church. And, and we've been going through, talking through some things. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to Pastor Timothy about some things that, that really Timothy needs to, to make sure that he gets right in his church in Ephesus. There's a, a couple of things that he's having to deal with. And so we spent a couple of weeks talking about elders, that is pastors. We, we talked about that elder, pastor, overseer, even though we use those different words and we use them differently in our context uh, in this world. But in the Bible, that's always the same guy. The elder, the pastor, or the overseer, always the same guy. That's not three different offices. It's one guy uh, who, who does those things. And so I, I want to get into now, we're going to continue in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul begins to address the deacons. And, and this one for me is a whole lot of fun, mainly because it's just kind of fun to poke at the deacons a, a little bit. Um, Thank you. Did you do that? That dropped right out when I said that. We don't even have a deacon. Well, we have one, but he's over in the video. Um, but but it, it's, it's a little bit of fun to poke at the deacons a little bit. But the other part that makes this fun for me is that there's some stuff that we need to kind of flesh out to really understand uh, what a deacon is and, and what a deacon does. Or I guess I should say who a deacon is and, and what a deacon does. So, so let's read that. First Timothy chapter 3. We're going to begin with verse 8, go through verse 13. Uh, Paul, remember, he just, just finished giving the qualifications for the elders, for the pastors. So now he goes for the deacons. He says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, if you remember, the qualifications uh, for the deacon as we read those, those sound a lot like the qualifications for the pastor. There's one notable difference, there's actually two, but we'll get to the other in a moment. One notable difference is 
that, that the elders, the pastors, are called to, to teach. And remember, we talked about that. He says they have to be able to teach. There, there are a couple of different ways uh, in there that that's brought out. Paul writes to Timothy and to Titus. And he doesn't say that for the deacons. The deacons, it says that they must hold the faith with a clear conscience. So they need to understand it well. They just don't have to teach it. That's not part of, we're going to get into their duties uh, in a moment. The, the title is deacon, and that's always fun. Deacons are the designated servants of the church. The, the word, what makes this fun uh, for me is, is just because of English and the way that we do things. We kind of forget some stuff. We call these, we call these guys deacons, and, and it's kind of like baptism. We, we forget what the word means. The word deacon actually means servant. So we're going to get into that as we read through uh, some of these uh, in a moment that, that we forget. And, and I'll put in the, the word for us as we go, but we forget really what we're talking about here. And, and the, the qualifications um, for, for the deacon, it, it spells them out there, but, but I want us to start before we get there to the origin of the deacons. Now, how, how did this get started with these, these deacon guys? Well, if you remember, it's in Acts chapter 6, uh, the, the early church had exploded on the day of Pentecost it says 3,000 men. It didn't, didn't number the women and children, so, so we don't know. We'll go with really conservative and say that, that the church had 3,000 new members that day. Hasn't happened since that I know of. And, and so and, and Acts 6 is a little bit later on. It says uh, at the end of Acts chapter 2, if you'll remember, and God the Lord added to their number daily those who were coming to faith in Christ. And so the church is growing. Um, by the way, Anybody can plant a church with 3,000 people. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, the Holy Spirit planted the church with 3,000 people that day. It was amazing. And the church has grown, and they began to, to run into some difficulties, as you will, in any church that begins to grow explosively like that, that, that you, you have trouble kind of keeping up with uh, how do you handle things because you can't do things today the way that you did them yesterday because there are 3,000 new people today, Right? And so one of the things that they began to run across was that, that the, the distributing the food to the widows began to, to be cumbersome, really. And, and if you can imagine, 12 apostles, they had appointed an, another one, Matthias. And so 12 apostles now, with 3,000 plus, we'll still be conservative and say they're up to 5,000 now, 12 apostles trying to take care of all of the logistics with 5,000 people. Now listen, that's hard for one guy and 100, um, but, but 12 with 5,000, I can't imagine. So one of the, whether in the Bible, a lot of times does this, it just kind of says it, it doesn't explain it, so, but one of the, the perceptions is that the, the Greek widows, the calls them the Hellenistic, but the non-Jew, the Gentile widows were being overlooked. And so that became an issue in this early church. And so that finally came to the apostles' attention, and the apostles, who were the pastors of that church, um, they, they got together and they prayed about it. And then they came to the, to the church and they said, you choose from among yourselves seven men. And then it gives just a little short list of qualifications for them, full of the Holy Spirit. And then it, it, it found favor in the eyes of the people. They did that and they chose the seven. And the reason that they chose the seven were for as, so that the seven could take care of distributing the food to the widows. Now, we don't know exactly, because the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail. Does that mean 
that when they gathered together that they would like take the plates, you know, to the widows. It may have been that. It may have been uh, food that, you know, widows, uh, the church really takes care of those and, and that they were, they were taking the food to their house, whatever it was. They were responsible for that. And, and the, the, the apostles said something here that's telling for us. They said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word to save tables. It didn't say that they were above uh, serving tables, but it says that, that we as pastors are called to administer the word to you. And, and we shouldn't give that up so that we could take care of the logistical things. So let's get some guys who can take care of this so that we can devote ourselves to the word and to prayer. And so it says that uh, after they did that, uh, the word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. I, I think that verse is important because it reminds us when we work in God's design, things work better, right? When we do things the way that God has designed them, he blesses them, and, and, and they work better when we do it that way. I, I gave the example, and I hate to mention it again, but uh, I'm, I'm never probably... You never beyond being a little bit more humble, but the time where I accidentally put gas in my diesel truck um, didn't work so well. My truck wasn't designed for gasoline. It was designed for diesel. And so the same thing here in verse 7 is just a reminder for us that when we work according to God's design, then he's able to work through that. So let's look really quickly at the qualifications for this guy that we call the deacon. And, and they're really similar to the, the qualifications for the... Um, for the elder, the pastor. It says he has to be of good repute, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine. That's always fun for me to say. He can be addicted to a little, no, but he's not known for drinking. Um, he's not greedy for dishonest gain. He holds to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, and he's blameless. Now, I, I'm going to make a note here, and we're not going to spend too much time on it just now. We're going to come back to this. Uh, but the next one, um, the, when he gets into here, th this is interesting uh, for me. Uh, he says uh, in the English Standard Version, it says, their wives likewise. Now, here's what you need to know. Uh, the New Testament was written in Greek, um, and, and whenever they put Aramaic in there, they would translate for us. That's why in some of those places, particularly in the Gospels, it says, which is, you know, it'll say the, the Aramaic or the, the Hebrew, and then it'll translate it to Greek for you. And so what, what you need to know is in the Greek, in the original language here, the word that we have translated for us as wives is simply women. So it says deacons, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then it says women, and then it gives these qualifications um, the women, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. That's interesting, and you're saying, where are you going with that? Well, you've got to stick with me, and I'll get back to it uh, in just a minute. I will tell you, though, that we only have two options here. Some of you are going, hmm. We only have two options, the way that this reads. It's one is that, that this is talking about female deacons, Okay? Don't, don't draw any conclusions yet. We'll come back. But one is that it's talking about female deacons because it says women. The other one uh, is, and there are only two, these are the only two options that we have but because of the way this is written, is that there are additional qualifications for deacons' wives than there are for elders' wives. Does that make sense to you? 
we'll ruminate on that for a bit. And then, then he goes back to the deacons, and then he says, husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. Now, one thing here that is also a little bit different because we have that same thing with the elders. He doesn't say because, you remember with the elders, because how can they uh, be expected to, to manage or care for God's household if they can't care for their own? It doesn't say that for the deacons, which kind of lets us know a little bit about um, their, their duties. Are you still with me? Or, or some of you, did I leave some of you back with the whole what do we do with the women thing and the deacons? Well, hop back on the, the train. We'll, we'll get back there in just a minute. Um, so, so the duties of the deacon are really complicated. Are you ready? To serve. And, and it's fun when you think about the way that this is written. Um, because let me read it, let me say it for you in English, the way that it's written in, in the Greek. If I were to say this, the duties of the servant are to serve. And you would say, well, yeah. <laughs> it, isn't that in... I believe, in fact, there is no job description for the deacons. Uh, the, the closest we have is when we go back to Acts chapter 6. Nowhere else in Scripture that I can find is there any job description or, or any indication of the role that the deacon ought to play. Now, there was one place, and I forgot to look up the reference, um, in one of Paul's letters where he's writing to the elders and to the deacons. Um, so that, that lets you know that they worked closely together uh, with the elders, with the pastors. But there's no job description for them. They're, they're not called to manage or to oversee or rule is another way that that word is translated. Um, I, I believe it's because of this. I believe it's because their job description is in their name. And, and when we say it like that, if we called our deacons servants, then that kind of lets you know. What do they do? They serve. Where? Wherever the church needs them to. Uh, in Acts chapter 6, they needed them to take care of the widows, of distributing the food to the widows. And, and then the, where, where Paul's, not Paul, where Luke is writing in Acts chapter 6, uh, it, it says here um, that, that the apostles said that, that we shouldn't give up uh, the, the preaching of the word. We shouldn't neglect that in order to serve tables. So, so here's, here are the duties of, of the deacon. It's, it's really taking care of some of the logistical things so that the pastors, the elders, can focus more on the spiritual things. And I don't mean that in a bad way, um, that the deacons aren't spiritual. That's like one of the big qualifications. They have to be spiritual men. But it's that, that the pastors, the elders, are responsible for the, the, the preaching and the teaching, those are always put together in Scripture, and, and the, the shepherding and the overseeing and the managing. And, and as they, they do that, that, that the deacons take care of the other things. And, and so I think that's one reason that, that it's just left open, it's just left broad, it's whatever the needs of the church are at the time, that the deacons jump in and do that. Some, some churches... Uh, and, and, and we may work on this here in, in, in the, the year coming up. Uh, some churches are, are very clear in what the deacons are supposed to do. I would imagine that would change uh, over time, um, I, I would think, as the needs of the church come up. Does that make sense to you guys? 
qualification for the deacons is basically all of those qualifications for the deacons and for the elders is their character. They have to be men of God. And they have to be known to be men of God. They have to be known to be spiritual men, right? Um, I, I say men, people of God. Now let's handle this whole men or men and women thing. Are you guys ready? We'll, we'll stir the waters just a bit. Some of you aren't too sure if you're ready. Well, there are two things that we look at uh, when, when, we, when we talk about how do we interpret this passage. Two things. So one, to look at language. I don't necessarily mean that you have to know Greek, but let's look at the way uh, that Paul handles this. He uses the words deacons and women, not deacons and deaconesses. There is a way to change the, the word deacon, male, to female deacon, deaconess. Uh, Paul talks about it, uh, um, name went right out of my head, Lydia, I believe it is, in uh, Romans 16. Um, he, he mentions, and, and, and there's, he uses there a, the female, um, female version of the word deacon. He calls her basically a female servant. Um, I don't believe necessarily that that's talking about an office. It's only ever mentioned once. We don't ever want to hang a doctrine on one verse of Scripture. Um, but, but if Paul, uh, the reason that this is significant for me, uh, because if Paul, uh, I believe if, if Paul is talking about women deacons, it would have been easy. In fact, it would have been logical for him to talk about for the deacons. Let's go back to that, that verse. Uh, let's say deacons. And, and by the way, you guys know most language when you're talking about plural, um, men and women, you use the masculine forms. So that wouldn't help us there. That could be the general deacons must be dignified and then goes along. And then if he got to that these are different qualifications for the female deacon, I believe he would have, he certainly could have used deaconess instead of the women likewise. Does that make sense? Did I lose anybody there? He uses deacons and then he switches to women. But then uh, a little bit later, the, just the, the way that he talks about it, if Paul were talking about female deacons, then it would make sense, uh, if you wanted to use the word women, that Paul would begin with saying deacons likewise in verse 8 as an overall category. And then if, he, if the first part is if he's listing qualifications for the male deacons, then he should have said men. Deacons likewise must be, given to general, the men, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then the women and give the qualifications for them. But he didn't do that. He says deacons, and then he says women, and then he goes back to deacons. Does that make sense to you? So one is just language. And some of you are like, well, I already know where you're leaning. Um, uh, but let me get to the second one. The second one is doctrine. Um, doctrinally, here, here's the, the doctrine, remember, in, in chapter 2 that just precedes this whole idea of elders and, and deacons. The, the only one that we're given here, it, it's a doctrine that, that really is, is addressing authority. Paul says that women shouldn't teach or have authority over men. So now we have to take that, let's carry that over to the deacons. According to what we know in Scripture, for the job descriptions of the deacons, would that be an issue? And I would say no. If deacons were simply servants, if, if what they did was they were designated servants in the church, 
then that doesn't violate this, this doctrine. Are you still with me? Now you're confused. You're saying, I don't know where you are then, um, if you say uh, both of those. Well, let me just, just, just kind of bring it back. The bottom line is that the deacons are the designated servants of the church. Uh, if there are churches that have female deacons and they simply serve, I personally don't have an issue with that. That's not a problem for me biblically. Um, if, if they are servants of the church. Now, now here's where we run into problems. In, in our denomination, and, and probably in many, deacons are more than simply servants because they're designated spirituals, this designated spiritual group that, that they actually take on some other roles. Sometimes in Baptist churches, way more than they ought to, and I think that's why there are problems with, with deacons and elders um, because I think the deacons are taking on the roles uh, of elders. So are you with me still? I just want to make sure. Um, in Baptist churches, here's, here's, what, here's what we say here. That the deacons are, are a group of spiritual men who have been designated to serve in the church. So again, as we make application, you might be saying, but you just said that you wouldn't have a problem, and our deacons here are servants, that you wouldn't have a problem with that being. And I say, yeah, if... if if the role of the deacon, and I believe it is, is that they are a servant, they have to be known for being godly people, spiritual people. But if they're just servants, then there's, it doesn't violate a, a biblical principle. So, so I think that that would probably be okay. But, but we want to like take a step back and know that we're absolutely safe here because of the way that we use our deacons from time to time. If we had a plurality of pastors, in other words, if we had multiple pastors, multiple elders in this church, it might not be so much of an issue. But there are times where as pastors, I need spiritual counsel from a group. And the only designated group of spiritual people, you know, that we have, the only ordained, uh, are our deacons. And so there, there are times where I have to go to our deacons and and. And just ask, just get spiritual counsel from them. And, and, and usually it's with them kicking and screaming because deacons, they're servants. That's what they want to do. Um, they, they don't usually want to get like mixed up in some of the, the messy uh, parts of, of the church. But, but sometimes you just have to do that. And I don't have a group of elders, a group of pastors uh, that I can go to for that. So I, I'll bring the deacons in from time to time. So for us... Deacons are a group of spiritual men who have been designated to serve in the church. So what's the, the application? How do we apply that to us? Uh, because I know uh, a lot of times in messages like this, you're like, oh, good, let's pick on the pastors, or let's pick on the deacons. Who do we get to pick on next? You know, it, Anytime we read Scripture, it's always going to have an application for us. Here it is. The deacons are the designated servants, but every believer is called to serve. You believe that? If you are a believer, you are called to serve somewhere. Ephesians 2.8, we, we know that one. Usually most of us memorize Ephesians 2.8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved, by faith, or through faith, not of works so that no one could boast. We got that one, right? You know what verse 10 says? It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Now, now, he just made it clear, Paul just made it clear, that our salvation is simply by grace. Faith is the vehicle that God uses, but it's because of his grace. It's because of the work Jesus did on the cross, not because of anything that we've done. We, we are simply recipients of God's grace and salvation. So we don't work for salvation, but the Bible's pretty clear that we work from salvation. We, we don't serve to be saved, we serve because we are saved. In fact, Rick Warren, I don't know if you, any of you guys went through the 40 Days of Purpose long ago when that came out, um, that, that was one of the things that, that he, he called on it, and they use shape to help people find their gifts and, and find places of service. And, and it talks about in there that you are saved to serve. And that's not the only reason we're saved, but, but that is certainly an outcome, that, that is a result of us being saved. So for every single person in here, you are called to serve. You may not be a designated servant in the church, a deacon, but you are called to serve. So so let me ask you, how's your serve? Not tennis, not racquetball, though I wish I could play racquetball. I love racquetball. How's your serve? How you doing there? Are you serving somewhere in the church? Now, now I, I know um, a, a lot of times we, we want to step back from that and say, well, but you know, we're part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ includes all believers of all times. Yes, but it's always expressed through the local church. Are you serving somewhere in the church? And if you aren't, can I challenge you today to start? In fact, I'm going to ask you to do something today that I seldom ever do. So just so you know. Now some of you are really scared because you know me fairly well. Uh, in, in the back of a chair in front of you, there should be a card with red lettering on there that says serve. I want everybody to grab one of those. It's going to make some of you uncomfortable. Sorry, right, I'm uncomfortable a whole lot, so... Now, some of you I know are, are guests here, um, and so I still want you to fill this out, but if you're a guest here, you don't have to turn that in. Um, if, you, if you aren't a guest here, then I want you to turn it in. Because here's what I want you to do. We, we do this uh, uh, when we go through vacation Bible school, and, and, and we want the kids to, to really make an intentional choice, an intentional decision, I guess, is a way to put that. And sometimes we do it just kind of judging readiness. Where are they? You know, we'll do this for salvation. Um, in fact, I worded this one really, really similarly uh, to the one that we use for them. But, but may, it's mainly for you, but if you're not a guest here, I want you to hand this in. And, and I want you to, to mark on there, put your name, your phone number, your email, and I want you to mark on there, I'm already, whatever it is, I'm already serving. Um. I'm ready to serve, I'm not ready to serve, or I have some questions. Now, don't chicken out. If you know if one of the three, you, write, you put down one of the three, um, uh, because if you have some questions, then I, I want to I talk with you, so I, I just want to help you with whatever questions you might have. But here's the thing. It, it's my desire to see everyone serving somewhere. Now, usually what we end up with is with a few who serve everywhere. 
What I want is everyone serving somewhere. And you may be saying, if I put that down, I'm ready to serve. I don't know where that is. That's okay. That's all right. We're not signing you up for a ministry team today. What we're doing, what I want, is just for you to know that for yourself. I'm serving somewhere. I'm not ready to serve somewhere. Might, might just not be a good time in life for you. I don't know. Or, okay, I'm, I'm ready to serve. Or, I've got some questions. I don't know what questions you would have, but that's why if, you, if I knew them, I would just give you the answer now. Are you serving somewhere? If not, would you be willing to? I believe, I believe that this year God wants to do some amazing things in Cloudcroft. I, I believe that God has positioned us. He, he's put us in, in such a place that he wants to do some amazing things, not only in the life of this church, but in the community. And I believe it's positioned us to do that. You know what that means? That means we need all the parts of the body functioning. I, I, I say this. And, and probably medically somebody's going to correct me someday, but there are no appendices in the body of Christ. That is an organ that we don't know what its function is or it doesn't have one. Um, every member of the body of Christ functioning. And, and imagine if we did. Imagine, and maybe, maybe this isn't your church home, maybe you're, you're a guest, you're visiting from somewhere else. Think of your church. Imagine if everybody was serving somewhere. The, the way I like to say it is the thing that you're most passionate about. Everybody's serving somewhere. Imagine if, if everybody did that. How the ministry would be multiplied like it was here when the deacons took on their role. How, how God can move and bless. I, I believe, I, just, I, I really believe this, that, that you cannot be fulfilled as a believer unless you're serving in the body of Christ. Somewhere, somehow. Some of you may be saying, I don't have a whole lot of time. Don't, don't let those kind of things keep you. Because I, I was just, I thought about putting a list on there, and I thought, I don't want to mess you guys up. But, but we have people that say, you know what, I'm really busy, but boy, if it's a special event, I can help with a special event. You tell me on October the 27th that you need help from four, 3 to 6. I'll be there. I can do that. Or, or I, I can't really come and, and do stuff here at the church, but I can sure make phone calls. God has really given, you, you may say, God has given me a, a burden to pray for people. If you'll get me a list, man, I'll pray for them, and I'll just send them a little note saying, hey, I prayed for you today. Maybe, whatever it is. But imagine if everyone in the body of Christ was serving somewhere in the church what God could do. Let's pray. Lord, you just amaze me. God, you, you talk about in your word that, that you chose us in Christ before the beginning of the world. And, and, and God, I, I don't know why you would care about me at all. But you do. And I don't know why that you would choose to use me to build your kingdom. But God, you do. And it's humbling for us to think that you chose to use us to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
There is no other plan. And so, Father, I pray that, that today for each and every one of us, you, you would help us to, to search our hearts. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do that. Just search our hearts. And, and, and God, if there's something that's keeping us from serving you, I, I just pray that you would just bring that to light. Lord, that we can take care of that with you. Maybe we've been burned. Maybe we've been burned out. Maybe we've been overused or underused or misused or abused in ministry. God, I pray that for every single person in here, you would bring us to the place that we could say, God, I just want to serve you. However you want, whenever you want, and wherever you want. And God, that you would, you would just take that and you would use it that, God, um, that in our service to you, that we wouldn't be emptied, but we would be continually filled by your Spirit. It wouldn't be something that would be taxing on us, but it would be something that would be a blessing to us. Father, I just pray that you would move and work in ways that will bring you honor and glory and bring people to faith in Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.